0: In between, live from Los Angeles, California. Welcome to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show with your host, Shaw McCain.
1: Good evening, everyone. I'm your featured host, Shaw McCain, on Blog Talk Radio, and I'd like to welcome listeners to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show. My show is created to provide an open-minded platform that welcomes the gifted and extraordinary thinkers from every walk of life and circumstance. Please follow me on Facebook for upcoming events and special speakers from around the world. Yes, we're translating to many different languages, and we're really proud to be able to say that. Uh, the call number tonight is 619-924-9744, and we'll stop during the midway point for your calls and questions, if you have any. And uh, remember, the Paranormal Sacred is every Friday night, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And I want to once again thank Tucker Smallwood for our great intro for the show. We really appreciate it. And during this show, I can take questions in order in chat, so you may call in with your questions and speak with our special guest tonight. Any of killers in chat or on the phone, you know what's going to happen to you. You'll be clipped off, kicked out, and blocked. So play nice and be nice and polite. Anyway, I have a couple of announcements before I get our special guest on. Okay, the announcements planning for the 2017 International UFO Congress is already underway. I know they just had it. We could not have hoped for a better event. The weather was great. The company was great. The speakers were great. And everybody had a great time. See, it was great. We'll be posting videos and news from the event for over the next few weeks, and you can see tons of photos at International UFO Congress Facebook page and the tweets by following everybody at IUFOC or by checking out the hashtag, hashtag IUFOC. Anyway, you can see all the events in the video, and the Open Mind UFO report is going to be there. And planning is underway for next year's event, so mark your calendar so you can do this all ahead of time and get everything straight and save, save your money and get your room. The dates are February 15th through 19th, 2017, God willing, if I'm still alive. So be sure to book your room at the Wee Pal Resort, really, to be sure you have a room for the host hotel. Anyway, we'll keep you up to date on the conference right here, Open Minds TV, and the UFO Congress email newsletter. Anyway, if you missed the conference, pretty soon the DVDs of lectures and the panels are going to be available. And now for my special interest group, Zero International Board of Advisors proudly presents an exciting event on Saturday, April 23rd. You guys got to get there, featuring Nick Pope, former member of Britain's Ministry of Defense. And a rare appearance by Colonel Charles Halt. I can't even believe he's coming out here, but he is. Who will discuss his personal, well documented UFO experience on the nights of December 26 and 28, 1980, while serving as deputy base commander at RAF Grant Waters in England. If you know about this, this is a Rendlesham event. You've got to go there. This is a famous case It's the subject of Nick Pope's book, Encounter in Rendlesham Forest, the inside story of the world's best documented UFO incident. Anyway, this is going to be at the UCLA Friends Hall Room 1178 at 502 Portola Plaza, Los Angeles, California. The doors will be opening at 1230, and the program starts at 1. You can park and structure, too. Anyway, I'll give you more information as we get closer, and I'll read this whole thing off. For more information, go to www.cerointernational.com to purchase tickets to get them early. And then for those of you who won't be able to join everybody on Saturday, they're also doing a roundtable discussion on Sunday, April 24th, and I'm for sure going to be there. If you want to meet me, I will be there, where you can have an opportunity to interact with the speakers up close and personal. Guess what? It's right around the corner. Courtyard Marriott Hotel, 1925 West one hundred ninety Street, Torrance, California, 90504. The door's open at 1230. General Mission is $30. bucks. we are doing it so we can pause for the cause. And- protect and help and get speakers out here and get the message for the experiences out there. Anyway, and donations are welcome, the quest for truth and the fight truth and the fight to anyway, is to help experiences, okay, because people laugh at us. But anyway you can laugh at me, it's okay. But don't laugh at us. Anyway, that's the announcement for tonight. And uh now I have something very exciting to announce to everybody. We have a special person on tonight. Her name is Martha Hazard Decker, and she's the author of Paranormal Profiling. Um, she's been involved in investigating the paranormal activity since 1999, and as a child, Decker experienced a number of unexplained occurrences which triggered her longtime interest in the unknown. She retired in 2007 from law enforcement as an assistant chief of police, negotiator, detective, and instructor. She's not somebody to mess with, Okay. She founded East Texas Paranormal in 2007. The East Texas Paranormal often investigates private home and businesses. And Decker has been a professional experience, or experience as an investigator, criminally and civilly, also a writer and photographer. And she's had several of her photographs, including the Big Click Coffee Table book, photo book. I'd be very proud of that. And in 1995, she to, for, received a first place award for specialty reporting from Associated Press. And anyway, we're going to get her on the line now and she's been waiting there. I'm, I'm just impressed by her credentials and even more impressed by the work she does and how she sticks her neck out for us every day. So at this point in the program, I want to welcome Martha. welcome to the Paranormal Sick of Your Life.
0: Thank you, and I appreciate being here.
1: You know, it's just so lovely talking to you. I know we had, uh, I think a couple of years ago, we had you on. And uh, I was just stunned by, you know, all the things you do. And uh, you don't let anybody hold you back. And uh, you're uh, just an awesome person. Say. I would I say I've always admired you.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I know. I just, I like to keep busy. <laughs> yeah. But did they Sometimes say to the get... world? <laughs> oh Well, I know. Sometimes I bite off a lot more. Then I can chew because I'll get these ideas and I want to do this and I want to do that. And then I end up having to step back and, okay, which ones don't I really need to do right now?
1: Right, right. Um, you also, you know, um, I have uh, had concerns that now that I'm getting older and I still have young in my brain, so I still want to do all kinds of stuff. And you have an interesting website, and I don't know if you're maintaining one, but it's about on Life After Fifty. And I thought that was so awesome because, in many ways, for me, my real life started after 50.
0: Well, that's why I came up with that. And I actually haven't, I have neglected it. I go in periodically, and I was in there yesterday um, because I'm trying to get different sites, some I don't have up yet. I've got them, you know, under construction, so that they're going to all be redirected to that site, the Mardec.com. And uh, I think that's easier than trying to maintain five different sites.
1: True, true. And, uh, yeah, because I only can do two and a Twitter. That's it. I can't do anymore.
0: Right. Well, and I need to go in and change it from life after 50 to life after 60. So.
1: I didn't want to say that, but I am after sixty now. <laughs> I never thought this would yeah. happen to me.
0: <laughs> I didn't. I know I, the the idea that I'll be sixty two and in eight years I will be seventy just kind of makes me want
1: to throw up. That's not the, that's not going to happen, okay? Because <laughs> by then there's going to be a new shot or some preservation method so we could stay young forever, and you know it would be fun. But you know, anyway, everybody's time comes, and I'm not scared. And uh,
0: well, you, you know, have been.
1: I'm not. It's like I think because of the field we're in, I think we're aware that yes, there is an afterlife. I don't know if you agree with this, and yes, it's a good place to go, and yes, we're going to be there someday. We're all going to go somewhere someday.
0: I, that's the way I feel, and I'm, I'm. Of course, I had to, you know, deal with any fear. You know, being in law enforcement, you you, you never know from day to day, and even more so today. Whether you're going to, you know, make it home at end of shift or not, right? So, yeah, I dealt with that a long time ago.
1: Yeah, it makes you when you face your fear like that, it makes you a very solid and strong person. It really does, you know. Do the faith and that that run faith. From it. That's it. That yes. is
0: faith, and you know, yeah. and with that faith, I'm, I'm, you know, whatever my time is, it's my time. But I think I'm gonna live to be over a hundred.
1: Yeah, you 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 will definitely. I don't think I will, but you well, definitely will.
0: There's too many things that are, are going to be, you know. I mean, there's going to be good and bad, but so many changes that are going to happen in the next, you know, 20 years even. That you know, I'm I want to be around and see some of what's going to happen. I'm still waiting for my Jetson cars, and we're getting closer.
1: Man, I have been waiting for that transporter and Jetson car all my life, and. I was stunned, you know, when I was, I remember, uh, I don't know, when I was 40, I thought, man, I thought we'd be moving faster by now. (laughs) I I thought we we would have tele-transponders, and uh, uh, I thought that we'd be actually doing little airplanes like the Jetsons. I really believed in it.
0: I did, I did. We had to do an essay sometime when I was in grade school. I might have been, I don't know if I was even 10, about what life would be like in, like, 2020, and now it's like, heck, that's only, you know, four years away. <laughs>
1: no, it's scary. <laughs> it's scary, and it's weird even writing it. I'm still kind of fascinated with write 2016. It still kind of fascinates me, mm-hmm. you know. I'm not quite over it. Right. But, so um, can you start at the beginning, because I'm really interested in your childhood influences and... Uh, where you were born and, you know, about your family and how you were brought up. Could you start out uh, talking about that?
0: Well, I sure can try. Um, I actually was born in Detroit, Michigan. Um, My family on my mother's side, well, both on my mother's and my father's side, have quite a bit of history within Michigan. My uh, great, 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 um, you know, several great-grandfather was William Woodbridge, on my mother's side, and he was the first elected governor of Michigan. Um, the the um, And I want to go back because the last time I was in, in Michigan, in Dearborn, uh, mm-hmm. in Detroit was when I was 18. Uh, I went up there for a visit with some relatives, but the house in Dearborn that my father's mother grew up in, actually has a historical plaque on it and the road is named after her family and it's the road that from what i understand goes up to like the convention center and the uh, police department in dearborn it's um uh i believe it's it's reckinger it's either going to be reckinger which was her father's name or um champagne who was her mother and um champagne you heard of champagne illinois well, yes. that was an uncle of mine. Uh, my then on my so on my mother's uh, father's side of the family, they um, her father came from Canada, and after her grandmother died and she was in her nineties, they found a family tree that had been uh, put together back when William Woodbridge was governor, and that was in the um, I believe that was in kind of the late eighteen hundreds, and. Taking my children, my grandchildren into account, now it actually goes back thirty-four genera thirty thirty-four thirty-seven generations now, all the way to William the Conqueror. So it was kind wow. of neat when I found fa- found out I have all these you know grandfathers I'm direct descendant from who were kings, and most of them were the bad kings in England and in France. <laughs> so <laughs> I found a book Not about those the French kings. Part. <laughs> yeah, those. Well, oh no, I, I've, I found this great book about the the, the the French part of the family, and that's um, well, that's also from my grandmother's side of the family, um, my father's side, and they called, and I cannot pronounce their name, and I, it starts with an A, the the Kings, and um, something that was written about them was that they called them like the spawn of Satan. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, because you know they had issues with my ancestors, the Scottish. See, that's what's going on here.
0: Right. Well, yeah. Well, you know, one of my grandmothers, her, 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 her parents were uh, Queen Isabella and King Ferdinand. So the other, other grandparents, you know, started the Spanish Inquisition.
1: Then King John. Oh my I mean, God. You have some very interesting DNA, lady, because they say, you know, we're directly related to our DNA is still alive in us. You know, Lorraine Slatterdy, I don't know if you ever heard of her, but she she can track you back all the way back. And that's what she says. We're acting now from then.
0: Well, that's what I want figure. Maybe that's why the chief, when I was with the police department, uh, nicknamed me Mad Dog. <laughs> yes, <right. laughs> if it was well, at tough, you're on felt the side dangerous, of <laughs> hear it felt dangerous. here's coming Jeez. down the hall, hey, Mad Dog.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you do have a certain look once in a while. You know what I mean? I, Especially when you do the yeah. arm-crossing stance. Like, a, man, she's going to whip somebody's butt <laughs> right now.
0: I I had somebody stopped and told someone back when I was in law enforcement that they thought I looked like I could uh, whoop an alligator with one arm tied behind my back. It's like,
1: okay. <laughs> you just keep thinking that. <laughs> it's wow. My job easier. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, you were, uh, you know, with uh, law enforcement. Like, what made you get into law well, – let's talk – Now I want to stick with your childhood for a minute only because I think okay. that's when the paranormal really started for you.
0: It did. It did. There, there's some experiences I've I had, and there's some experiences I remember that I don't think were dreams, but they don't even fit into anything. And I don't know whether, you know, I don't know whether to, I keep an open mind with past lives because I, I don't know. So I don't say yeah. yes or no, yeah. but I have a couple of experiences that I remember. Um, but probably I can remember, but I can remember some couple of things that happened when I was like two years old. And I would describe described a few things to my mother and my grandmother, and they yep, I remember that, <laughs> so, wow. you know, so wow. I so my memory- i know it's fascinating how far back I can actually remember, not a lot, but I can remember, but when I was probably about i'm gonna say about four, maybe five, but probably four was when I had that feeling. That something was there, and I was in the room, my bedroom, and I had a window on you know two of the walls, and I was facing one window and the other one. You know how you get that feeling when somebody's just staring at you yeah and 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 you just know, and i i it was like I sucked it up at that little age, and I turn and I look at this window, and I see this it's really a shadow of a hand, but this was in the middle of the night, in a neighborhood with not a lot of homes and everything, and uh uh, you know, I'll just will never forget what I saw, but I think there may have been more to it than that, and that disappeared. And, of course, you know, parents run in when you scream, and, you know, oh, everything's okay. It's all in your head. It was a bad... It wasn't a dream, because I can remember it to this day. But I also had a, something happen that, as I look back now, it, it makes no sense to me. But in the neighborhood we lived in when we were... Well, we were in Memphis at the time. We... um when my father got out of the navy, he wanted to move to Memphis. He had been stationed at Millington Base, which is just outside Memphis, and for whatever reason they decided to leave family and everybody and move to Memphis. But uh made for a great uh growing up time. But the neighborhood we moved into was a brand new neighborhood, so it was mostly pastures and woods and fields around us. And when we first moved in there, let's see, I was four when that was, you know, four to five. That's when we moved to Memphis. And there was a low. It was a row of woods behind our house that went down the block or so. But there was a farm on the other side, so it wasn't like deep woods. But I can remember very well walking through the woods like I found a trail. And, I mean, the woods were probably, I don't know if they were even 30 foot wide. I can't, you know, it's so long ago I can't really remember. But it was deep woods to a six-year-old five six year old and I'm walking down this little trail and I come up on this guy that has his jeans on his t-shirt off and the t-shirt is like stuck in the back of his jeans and he has Mm -hmm. a hatchet or an axe and he's you know you know cutting something with it hitting some chopping something with it and I don't know what he's chopping but I remember he 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 like realizes somebody's there turns and looks at me and chases me, and I am running as fast as I can with this guy with this hatchet or this axe, like he's gonna—it's like he's gonna—you know—axe murder me. Mm-hmm. And I run, and I run into the house and shut the door, and I never say anything to anybody because I wasn't supposed to have gone down, you know, gone off like that at that age. And I have wondered about that for so long.
1: <laughs> what How the bizarre!
0: It really bizarre. It's like, did that really happen or didn't it? But, I mean, it's so vivid to this day, and it never wavers in, you know, how my memory is of it. But uh, I had a lot of other things as I hit teen years that started happening off and on mm-hmm. um, that were, you know, just paranormal, unexplained. And I was I was uh, very interested at that time. I was fascinated with science fiction. Isaac Asimov was my favorite author. I was reading everything I could from Edgar, you know, about Edgar Casey, you know, and, and Uri Gell- Geller, and of course the Warrens back then in the '60s, uh, and everything that just. But there was nobody I could talk to back then about anything. But,
1: so well, yeah, was how was your parents? You know, how were they uh, about your experiences? How did your parents feel about it?
0: Well, they never knew about it. I never said a word to them. Um, my mother used to, as an adult, you know, and, and she lives with us, and she should be 84 this September. And I'd say up to maybe a couple of years ago, she used to kind of yeah. just laugh about it. And I don't know, you know, but that's changed because she's had some close calls, and she has is seen, she'll see people like usually you think when someone's about to pass, yeah. The only difference is that they aren't family. They're strangers. And she's seeing, like, people she can describe out of the corner of her eye off and on now. So she's, she doesn't laugh at me anymore. She She's, I think, come to the realization there is something. And yeah. uh, she doesn't know what, but some of it has been comforting to her. But then she would have just laughed. I, I spent two years in my, when I was in high school, not two years, two weeks, I couldn't sleep in my room, and my room was my safe haven. And uh, I went in it one day, and, you know, a lot of people that are involved with the paranormal have felt that really super negative energy at one time or yeah. another. <clears throat> and I go to walk in my room, and I couldn't even walk into my room. There was just something there. I have no idea why. I had a friend named Mary... At that time, and both of us, you know, I don't know, we, we we would both pick up and we would get feelings on things, but we didn't have anybody we could talk to. And it would seem like some things might get active and we would just, I don't, you know, we would just do what we were calling, you know, just shut down. We wouldn't discuss, wouldn't think about because we knew that something could, you know, be dangerous and so we didn't want to get in trouble. But I went for two weeks where I'd run in there, you know, get my clothes and run out. And I'd have to go in there at night when I would go to bed. But as soon as the parents were asleep, I'd go downstairs in the living room and I would go to sleep. And then I'd just get up before they got up. And then I got a call from somebody one day from high school who asked, and he had asked me what my middle name was because he didn't know it. And he said he'd been automatic writing my name for like pages and pages without even realizing it. And he was a friend, but we didn't, we never saw each other at school at all. And we didn't talk that often. So I tell him about this experience, and he uh, tells me, you know, he has somebody he, he'll talk to, and they can take care of it. You know, I was a kid. I should have asked more details. I was just like, okay. And then um, all of a sudden, I mean, that day, that afternoon, a couple hours after that, that, it was gone. I could go back in my room, and that negative energy was absolutely gone from that room. Uh, he called to check, and it's like, oh, it's gone. Thank you. And I think that's the last time I ever
1: talked to him. (laughs) (laughs) That's strange, Uh, because we had a name for ours. Me and my sisters would see him standing in a corner. He had a cloak and a a hat on, and he was all black. And now they would call it like a shadow person. That's what people are calling it. But we called him uh, DJ. We even had a name for him.
0: Mm-hmm. We
1: call him DJ, and we talk about him. I may, and we would actually acknowledge him as as John, you know, dastardly John. What so right. we him?
0: Right. Well, you know, I had shoot my roommate and I when I moved to moved to Dallas. Uh, folks moved to Dallas a year later. I moved to Dallas from Memphis, and uh, the roommate I I had, we'd have things you know disappear. Uh, you know, like your watch might disappear from the nightstand and you'd find it, you know, in the crisper with the carrots or something. Yeah. <laughs> and now we were we were in some, you know, apartments that were across the street from uh, one of the psychiat- psychiatric hospitals, which is still in operation today. And uh, I don't know what, you know, if anything had ever happened in the apartment, I know there was one night we had a way where we would uh, check on each other because you wouldn't put the chain on until the other one came in, and then we would kind of leave our door open a little bit, and so the other one, when he came in, whoever was last would kind of like check, make sure you were there, and then they'd, you know, put the chain on, and they'd go in the room. Well, I heard somebody come in, two people, male and a female, and uh, I came upstairs, Opened my door, looked in, go yeah, she's in there sleeping or something like that, and go in her room. And she had gone to Six Flags that day with her boyfriend, and um, so I just assumed it was her. I get up in the morning, they were not there. They had not been there. I was there by myself all night long.
1: Wow, how <laughs> so, old was this house you were at?
0: Well, that was a th- those were apartments, and those apartments, yeah. shoot, back then I bet they could have been. They probably could have been 30 years old easily or so yeah. back yeah. Then, then even
1: because they were, you know, older apartments. Did you ever want to go back and investigate that place?
0: Um, not really that place so much. I wanted yeah. to know, uh, you know, and that, especially now. I mean, there's so many things with people in there and with the psychiatric hospital across the street. Um, the only thing from living there that I'd like to know is we were there one night and, uh, uh, about two o'clock in the morning, we hear this loud truck pull up, So we'd go run upstairs and look out my window and we can see, you know, in front of our apartment and we see this, this, uh, guy get out of the truck with a bottle of liquor. And, um, so we're watching this and he comes banging on the door, Marba My. Mar- we, I, <laughs> and we didn't open the door. I don't have a clue. Who, I would like to know who that was. <laughs> what kind of thought <laughs> he could come with <laughs> a bottle and be drunk, get dropped off at my apartment, that I wouldn't open the door, even at nineteen years old. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's funny. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm glad you didn't open the door. So that was. <laughs> So um, no, was, did you – like your educational interests, what were you interested in back then? Like how were you developing, you know, what you were going to be doing in your life?
0: Well, I was reading all these things. My fam- I come from a family of really gifted and talented people. We have people who can act, who can sing, who can paint, who can be comedians. I mean, all this stuff, and I remember um, – Actually, I got my first camera when I was five years old. And my grandfather gave me his 35 millimeter when I was in high school. And I wish I still had it. It was a Leica. And, yeah. uh, I, and so he gave me that. And um, so I'm I'm thinking, you know, what, how come... I'm kind of feeling like, uh, how come I got left out? Well, how come I don't have any talent? Hello. And then it finally, and, you know, and it dawned on me one day, I did. And my gift was, what happened? You there?
1: Well, I don't know what happened with her.
0: Is everything okay now? Hello? Hello? you hear me? I can hear you. Hello? We're going to hang up and call you right back.
1: Okay, sorry about that. Uh, Somehow the lines got dropped and that does happen and uh, I'm going to call her back and I want to apologize here. You there now? Hello. Yes, I'm here now. We just got dropped and I didn't okay. hear a thing. And it still showed did, both of us I, on. But it was just nothing. didn't
0: Yeah, and I could hear you and I went to hang up and I tried to call you and it you just disappeared.
1: So oh, Okay, so <laughs> okay. where did yeah, I because I've got two I phones going, I've got an Android besides my laptop and, and uh I'm ready to call and call back. So Anyway, so uh, keep talking about what you're talking about because you're telling us at what point, you know, did you, you had been reading when I, when all these things to, on the paranormal.
0: Okay, and and so I finally discovered that my talent was writing and because um, I took every English and writing class I could through high school and that the photography, I was actually good at that. It was just a natural talent, but the things I I wanted to do, I back then and this was in in the early like 1972 is when I graduated from high school. So in the very early, you know, 70s, late 60s, I thought about parapsychology because at that time there was one university, I believe in the country that actually you could go go major in parapsychology. So I thought about that. And I thought about being an archaeologist and a
1: uh,
0: no, uh oceanographer or a uh You know, and then the photography, which is what I ended up going into photography and and worked as a photographer professionally for a while. But when I was 18 and my folks were in Dallas, somehow I got connected, I don't know how, with um, somebody uh, with Mid-South that did some stuff with Mid-South Productions. And Mid-South Productions puts on the rock concerts in Memphis. Mid-South Productions is still there. And I started shooting the rock concerts back in 1972 and 73. Um, everything from uh, my very first one, well, their first one that they did was Frank Zappa.
1: Oh, awesome. And they
0: actually, and you know, they left him at the Coliseum or the Convention Center. They left him there with his bodyguard. Because what they, what Mid-South Productions always did, the bands would always go to a specific bar until the bar closed at 2, and then back to the hotel, and it was always the same hotel. And then, of course, they'd party all night long, and back in the early 70s, everybody, you know, they were all in my mind, and I'd sit, I wish I had continued to take pictures, because I would photograph the concerts, Then I would give all my film to somebody to get developed, and, and I ended up losing almost everything but a couple of my Frank Zappa pictures, because my so-called partner that got me hooked up doing this stole everything, and went around saying that he did the, uh, that those were his pictures, and, and I was 18, what did I know? And the girl well, the girls yeah. I ran around with, her father was an assistant district attorney, and if I would said something, they could have at least given me some guidance, because my folks were in Dallas, but uh, so, I did that, I'm you know, all these ink, British, all the British bands back in the uh, 60s and 70s would come to Memphis, and I would, um, you know, I bet was at their hotel, we'd be We'd ride down through the streets with, um, I don't know if it was Proco, I think it was Harem, um crazy uh, riding through the streets of downtown Memphis, mm-hmm. like half on the sidewalk, half on the street. Um, there was somebody that I knew that had a, either a Mercedes or Porsche, the convertible, so it was really small. And he was, pl- he and the the driver of the Winnebago were playing a game. Cause the Winnebago, he was trying to stay, stay so close to the car that, um, he couldn't see the car, and you know, of course, that was the sixties and seventies, and we know what everybody was doing back then in the majority of the bands. But it was a really a kind of a fun experience to to be that able was to exciting. Be in in all of this. Frank Zappa was very intelligent. Um, oh yeah. I was there for David Bo- David Bowie, it was a trip. With I remember he his whole crew took over two whole floors of that hotel. Um, oh my god, that was really inter- yeah, that was really interesting uh with him. Uh
1: what color was his hair back it? then? I how know which period you're talking about.
0: Oh, gosh. This was seventy It wasn't orange. No. It was seventy two. I'm thinking it was like blonde or white blonde, but my goodness, that's been so mm-hmm. long ago. Yeah. You know, I threw away all my press passes on oh, all my, all my backstage, yeah. my full-access backstage. I threw them all away. Just to me, they. I mean, we I got along with everybody, and we had a good time, mm-hmm. and I did my job, and they're just people like, I mean, they're people like us. Heck, I grew up down the street from Elvis, so You know, it was no big deal to me. And, of course, now mm-hmm. I wish I had saved all of that just for, you know, to show the grandkids or something, but it just wasn't that much yeah, I mean, to me it's it's cool. at the, the time. Yeah, but when I found well, a couple of things, it sounds like you were out there. Yeah, yeah, I did, and then when I you're lucky. Up, uh, I, I really am. I really, I, I am because I've done so many things that I wanted to do. Um, before the book, uh, a Law of Attraction came out. Mm-hmm. Um, there were th- there's almost everything in that book. When I, cause I read the book when it came out, and I go, Oh, maybe this is why I have always been able to do so many things because the way I talk and I think is almost 100% what they tell you to do in the book. You know, it's more than just being an optimist. I just, there's ways you can word things, uh, you know, even if it's a sad time or maybe, a, you know, not a particularly good time, how you can just word it. And, it you know, it comes out in a, you know, you're speaking it out in, in a positive form. And uh, if there's something that I really, really, really want, I've always been able to achieve that most of the time, pretty much all the yeah. time. Yeah.
1: I, I do believe a, the intention and also I think you accept these certain footsteps towards your intention. You know, because a lot of people would just say no right. to different things, and you you spot it and say yes.
0: Right. And I'm always, a, you know, an outside-the-box thinker, you know, even how, yeah. no matter how small something is that you do, and you can do something every day that's just a little something, and it makes such a difference.
1: Yeah, I, th- I believe in that, do something, learn something new every day, you know, m- keep making these changes, and... Uh, your heart's desire will be met. You never know when in life that will happen. You know, That's in right. a way, that food might I did really... my... Go ahead.
0: Go ahead. I should say, and that food you won't try might actually taste good if you try it.
1: So... That's right, because I, I gave up <laughs> uh, sweets and bread and everything from last February to... Uh, last until November, right? And mm-hmm. then I fell off the wagon, and I ate a piece of pie, and I went, "Who the hell in the right mind would give up pie? Now, come on!" So, I'm not going to do any of this uh, crash swearing off the sugar anymore. It's ridiculous. But there's, there's so pie many pie other come on.
0: Yeah, but you know what? There's so many other things you can actually use. I mean, heck, have that piece of pie once oh, yeah. in a while. You know, definitely. Well, you, you know that I, mean. I haven't really given you know, I haven't really given up anything and I might, you know, grab that giant, you know, six four foot tall pixie stick and, and have it. But <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well it's a, it's the thing is I think it's moderation is what we should go for and uh, yeah. I always have all or nothing attitude. I've been like that all my life. So um either crashing through it and doing everything and or nothing. The moderation is yeah. what I go for. So uh, that's what I'm trying oh, yeah. to uh, attain. I don't know if it'll ever happen, you know, because Moore is like my middle name. Moore, sorry, Moore, McCain. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you, know, um,
0: you know, we've pretty much gone to where we just shop. At the, when we go to the grocery store, we shop the outside. We don't go into the center aisles for much of anything. We get it. Everything's all fresh and try to stay away from as much process as possible. And that's made a big difference.
1: Yeah, my kids and grandkids are doing so well. They work for Whole Foods, and they're doing a really wow. incredible job. So uh, my daughter's done a good job with those kids. Um, yeah. Anyway, so uh, so back then when you were doing the music thing, you know, we're, we're about the same age, and music was all important for me then. You know what I mean? It's still important to me, yeah. you know. And uh, but yeah. back then music was all important, you know it meant everything. So you, you just got to live some extraordinary experiences. So after yeah. and, that and age, was, um, go ahead.
0: I should say it was to me too, and it still is. Um, I went a period without listening to the music when I was working, and I I just didn't turn it on. I just had, you know, because sometimes I just like the silence and the quiet. If I'm in the car, just just have that time to let your mind wander. But um, when I retired from law enforcement, now when I did a patrol shift, I used to listen to the radio a lot. I'd listen to um, PBS uh, Mm
1: -hmm. when
0: I would do the night shift. I loved PBS because it was music from around the world. And then they stopped playing music, and I just pretty much quit listening to radio a lot. But uh, when I started went to work for the state. I had to drive 60 miles into my office and I found music again and I go, that's what's been missing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean,
0: it, it it really, yeah, made a big difference.
1: It does. I just went and got uh, my um, my favorite Robin Trower album, Bridges Size," and I got the CD and uh, my clients were telling me, nobody buys CDs anymore. I said, I do. This is like a little tiny album and albums mean a lot to people like me and I'm telling you that music sounds so great, really. Right. So, uh, well, it makes the world go around for me. It
0: does. And I love Pandora.
1: Um oh, me too. Of course, I have I have, it, to,
0: too. I have and I have Sirius in the car and I, you know, I have to have Sirius in the car uh because No,
1: I don't. I never so, did it.
0: Oh, I do in the car because when I travel, there's a lot of places I travel when I'm you know, wandering here and there. Where there is no phone service, so Pandora's not gonna work there, but the serious right. you know everywhere pretty much so I yeah, I'm have to take that, that into consideration yeah so
1: okay, so um, after that age, and um, did you go to college uh...
0: no, I didn't go to college i'm self taught on pretty much everything my mother and i okay. uh i I'm stubborn she wanted i mm-hmm. when i got out of high when i graduated from high school um i didn't really have any guidance about what to do you know beforehand <clears> to <throat> try mm-hmm. to go and i had these things i didn't know about a and m and oceanography um i thought there was only one place and it was in florida to go to be an oceanographer and i go, well you know we can't afford that only one place for para- parapsychology and um the archaeology you know There would have been more more places for that. So when I really figured out I was a photographer and I was gifted, um, and I wanted to work for a newspaper, you know, as a writer, but um, I wanted to go to the art college in Memphis. And the art college in Memphis is fairly prestigious, and it still is, and it's very difficult to get into. You have to have a portfolio of your works. But you would take your core classes at Memphis State University, And my Mm mother wanted me to go to Memphis State University. Well, I knew what I wanted to do, and I didn't want to generalize the first two years. I just wanted to go right at it. And uh, so I ended up, you know, they ended up moving down here. I stayed up there. And, uh, you know, I've taken classes here and there. I've I've had, you know, as far as in law enforcement, I've had several thousand hours of specialized training through, you know, the assorted, you know, colleges and stuff with, you know, everything from being an instructor and negotiator, you know, oh, just whatever. You know, I, there's just all sorts of things that I have specialized training in. And the other stuff, I would decide, oh, I want to know this or I want to know that. And then this is the core of what I want to learn. And then when I would learn what I wanted to learn, I would move on to something else. Now, when I decided I wanted to be a photographer professionally, and um, well, I was at 18. I was a professional photographer back in the later 70s when I'm in Dallas, you know, and I've got kids and I'm doing the household thing and everything, I knew I wanted to get back into the photography. I knew that I could do what 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 the professionals did, but I didn't know the terminology. So actually I went and I completed the uh, New York Institute of Photography. They had a correspondence course back then. It was awesome. kind of difficult, but I so I did that. Um so I did that and, and uh, so that I could learn all the terminology. And that's how I learned to, you know, develop film. And I ended up working for a number of newspapers around the Dallas area between, you know, staff them, freelance them. And then I ended up, you know, eventually out here where I am. And, you know, I had, had the kids, had the divorce, you know, remarried. This September makes 30 years. Ken and I have been married. You know, now really? the kids are 36 yeah. and 41. <laughs> and,
1: You've got some old
0: kids.
1: I Mine know a lot older than that.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> my daughter called me one day. And she said, Mom, I want. She, she was freaking out. I said, What? And she said, We're going to be senior citizens together very shortly. I said, I know, honey. <laughs> I, I don't know how to explain it, but because my daughter right. is 48. So okay. and her workday is coming up. So she's going to be 49, and then she'll be 15. Uh-oh. Next year, it's scary. Okay, I, they have gray hair and everything. I don't, I don't identify with any of this. But anyway, um, right. you know, uh, <laughs> uh, it sounds like you have lived a, a big life. And I also wanted to go to art school, so I went a little bit later. But I did go get my art degree. It was like mm-hmm. my biggest accomplishment, you know. And then the, the weird right. thing happens: like, what the heck do you do with an art degree? <laughs> do anything with it?
0: Right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know that's me I didn't mean? realize.
1: Yeah. You can't do anything yeah. with it. But it helped me right. on my way, right. you know what I mean?
0: Because that was my other thing, was the fine arts. Yeah, going go into fine arts, and now, now it's like, well, what would I have done with that? <laughs>
1: but, exactly. Now it would be more graphics, which I would have liked to. you know. But, yeah, I uh, would too. That would be, yeah, that would be interesting. And uh, I used to want to just design album covers for uh, records. That's what I wanted to do. It's very strange. Well, that it, but been, that would
0: have been – that would have been cool, and you know, and when I when I um saw uh, Frank Zappa's concert, he had told me that he was working on a new album and he wanted wanted to have some of my pictures because he wanted to be able to pick from them and he was going to put some of them on his on the album cover or on the back somewhere on the you know on the album. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. So right. In, uh, but no, that person had to steal all my stuff.
1: Well that person is incurring karma as we speak probably. But uh that's probably, a lot you to do. Probably. Yeah. That's a
0: yeah, thing to do. yeah, you know. And I've 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 done well with my photography. I kinda semi retired from it when I reached all my goals. I had only two goals left with it and uh one was to do a national geographic assignment and the other was a you know, like a Pulitzer and you know, and I'm not dead yet so I could still do either one of those. <laughs>
1: It could happen. you, know, you
0: just—it could. I, mean, I said those, was thinking um,
1: about something when you said that. I had a flash of Travis Walton. Uh, then uh, I was thinking, man, you could do that. You know what I mean? Or you never know. Well, you don't. Ready to throw it now.
0: Yeah, and you know, and the photographs—the photographs are all. It's all about being at the right place at the right time.
1: So, That's right. Have I you have ever photographed a lot anything of, strange?
0: Um, not really. I mean, I take some of the pictures, and I, you know, of course, I shoot a lot of stuff with different, different um, uh, investigations and everything. Yeah. But you know, there's some things that could be questionable, but you just, you know, as far as me really going, yeah, that is something. It's hard to say whether yes, it is something, or is that just my mind seeing something?
1: Yeah. So. And, and well, how are how are you? Because if you're on the camera all the time, what do you think about orbs?
0: Oh, orbs!
1: <clears throat> I don't even get me started. <laughs> I'm so glad I asked. <laughs> Well, you know, I had yeah. a big issue. I had a big issue with it because I thought, man, these people are nuts. There's no such thing as orbs or, or whatever. And then uh, I was up in my yeah. office. So, you, you know, I'm a forensic counselor, right? I work for the feds, actually, the
0: okay. federal in
1: City people. That's what I did for living. But anyway, so, okay. you know, I was up there with one of my clients, and uh, the, door, the the light on the, the uh, waiting room, we just go off after a certain amount of non-movement, and right. we both felt a little bit dizzy at the same time. I went, weird, what's that? You know, like the roof of my mouth felt like uh, there was pressure, and she held her head, and she said, what's wrong? I said, I don't know. I feel weird. She said, I feel weird. We both looked at the TV at the same time, and it looked like it was snowing in the the guest room, you know, and... Uh-huh. Then we were we actually was sort of looking at it, kinda of relaxed, you know what I mean, but feeling kinda of odd. Right. And then we were looking at it and some of these things started taking off and doing swirls and going under the door and coming back out. It was very odd. So Yeah, I, I mean I there's, there's, there's there's Yeah, something. I mean
0: there 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 are orbs but there but but most of what people see in their camera and I've seen some amazing stuff through a video camera.
1: But, yeah.
0: you know, most of yeah. it's going to be, you know, dust, dampness, moisture. Yes. moisture, and with, the you know, with the digital cameras, it's the, you know, it's the computer in there trying to fill things in. I mean, there's just so many things. That's right. I, uh, years ago, I, I, uh. When I first formed my team, uh, actually most of us were either current or former law enforcement, but there were some people that were not. And we went out to a cemetery that's supposed to be very active. Got permission to go out there. Uh, they keep it locked up because some teams from Dallas went and they put where it was, and so many vandals came out to it that they just keep it locked mm-hmm. all the time. But we got got permission, and of course nobody ever re, you know revealed where it was. But I started hearing everybody, and this was back in '07. Oh, look at all these orbs! Look at all these orbs! And it's like, time out, <laughs> time out. We're, you know, we're in a cemetery at night, and you know, it hasn't rained for two months, so you know, time out. Well,
1: <laughs> well, I had seen things. I have seen once in a while. They'll show you. Like you reminded me of a cemetery. They were shooting in a cemetery. Do you remember that thing that, that light that was flying in between the trees and that kept going around things? That was very hard because it looked like a at times like a, a a lit up snake. You know, it had just it had uh, form and it looked like intention. And that was probably God. the only one I thought that seems to know how to fly and go places. So right. I had well, won a book and a raffle, and it was like all about orbs, right? And it was full color, uh-huh. thick book. I did not take it seriously, you know. So I gave right. it away right away. And then that a couple months later, that happened in my office, and I was thinking, dang, I need that orb book back.
0: <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, but, well, you know what what I did with with them is I made them do an experiment. I, experiment, mm-hmm. I said. Stand there, put your camera up to your face, just like you're going to take a picture and you're going to flash, but don't look through the camera. Put your head to, you know, put your head to the side of it where you can, you know, see, but keep it at yeah. the same spot. And it did, it worked well for me to have them do it that way. I said, now when you flash your camera like you're taking a picture, look out where the flash goes because you will see. Millions of things in the air that are reflective, you know, off of the light. Yeah. Your, your, uh, and, uh, you know, they were just, you your know, flash. amazed that, yeah, how much, how many things are out there that you're breathing and everything that you can't see. But the flash the yeah. night like that, that bright will just illuminate it. But, uh, wow. I've had, no, we were, we were, um, Jefferson, Texas. There's a hotel I used to go to. It's the whole downtown area is real active. And I used to go to the Jefferson Hotel and it's it is absolutely not the same now as it was then. Uh I don't know what happened. It's like somebody came in and told everybody that had been there for, you know, a hundred years or something to go home. <laughs> and everybody left. Um, but I used to go do that to get away from law enforcement because I was a I became a sergeant in ninety five at 2000, mm-hmm. I became the chief, the assistant chief. So I was like always on call 24-7 or, you know, anything. That's
1: right. and then yeah.
0: even, even more so if the chief wasn't available, you know, I would have to, you know, step in if something really bad happened. So I would go either gamble at the casino or I would go over to Jefferson and stay at the Jefferson, Jefferson Hotel and maybe do both and totally, you know, would just totally get my mind off of work. And uh, I had the. I used to use an old Sony 8mm uh, video camera back then. And one, I always would get stuff on the camera every time, um, every time that I went back then. And uh, it was probably about every six weeks or so, I would go spend the night up there. And one of the nights, I had somebody with me for their birthday, and they. It was like a surprise because it was all scary to them. So we're up in one of the rooms that's supposed to be active. And there had been a uh, fresh flower in the hall upstairs that I don't know where it came from because when I found out the next day there's not even any live plants with that flower anywhere within blocks of the hotel. And I don't remember what it was now. But the lady had been looking at that and I was going from room to room and we had, had, uh, um, somebody who was a friend of mine to this day. She was there with her daughter. Her daughter was just a little bit younger than the person with me. And we had the hotel. So she, she, uh, Janet Ward, uh, and I both experienced this and, uh, Janet's house is haunted and she does tours occasionally. Uh, now, Mm -hmm. um, uh, so I get her to go in and sit at the bed, and I'm like just kind of, you know, panning the rooms. I'm panning all the rooms at the time just to see what I might pick up. And uh, I see something, and I don't you know if, know if I'd really even call it an orb, but that's what most people would call it. It comes up from behind her, floats all around her, and mm-hmm. I'm watching all this, and I, and I say something like, Oh, cool. And she freaks out and gets up and runs out. And it still stays around there. And, um, you know, you can see it very clearly on the, on the you know, video. And yeah. I, I don't know what that was, but we went down to the end of the hall. And then about five or ten minutes later, we came back. Now, we saw the room before she came in and sat down on the bed. We saw her hands when she came in and sat down on the bed. We saw her, you know, saw her get up from the bed. There's, And I had video of, you know, the bed. There's nothing on the bed. You go down the hall about five, ten minutes later, we all come down, look in the room, because we're going to go downstairs and go wander around town at two o'clock in the morning or so. And I, that flower that was in the hall on that uh, piece of furniture was in the middle of that bed.
1: Wow. It,
0: it Yeah. Those were the kind of it's things. Like it's like a little gift. It's
1: like, you're looking for me. Well, here, here's your gift back.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like yeah, I know. Morning. Hmm. Exactly, yeah. That was just, that was really amazing because we just, I had the, you know, besides what I saw and thought I saw, I had the video proof of, you know, she didn't like have it in her hand when she was walking in and and just leave it, you know, when she ran out kind of thing. It wasn't, she didn't have it. How odd. That was pretty neat.
1: You know, I I believe that sometimes, you know, like we notice them, sometimes they notice us. You know, I don't think it's all the time because things that I've lived in several haunted places, and they just seem to be carrying on a routine every day that they're used to. Right. You know, like I had them, they'll come and open the front door. You can hear it all do happening, and nothing's really moving, Mm -hmm. but you can hear it doing. It'll open and close the front door, go by the heater, and the heater would creak when you walk by it, you know, and it creaked just like somebody walked by it, and then go in the kitchen, open and close doors, and, the kids would say that all the time. Mom, you know, there's somebody in the house and in the kitchen. And I would get up and go look, and they weren't there, but then I could hear it too, you know. And well, uh, right. it's, it's very odd that they, the ghost, did not really, I don't think, knew that we were there. Because he would carry on the same thing every day. Until I had a dream about right. it one time.
0: Right. Kind of more of just a residual energy. Yeah, something.
1: Over and over. It was like yeah. a haunting and... The dream I had about him, he was a guy that had died, and uh, he was actually an accidental overdose. But when he uh, woke up, I guess, dead, uh, his spirit stayed there and would wait every day, like around 5 o'clock. He'd wait a couple hours for his family to show up, which, of course, had passed away and moved on, you know. And he would just still show up waiting for his family, and he'd start crying and start all over again the next day. That wasn't my dream about him. Right. who it was, I think. Anyway. Right.
0: right. Well, that's interesting.
1: Yeah, but then uh, one time, the same place and I have in my mind right now that I'm talking about, because, um, you know, I live near there now, and I, I get a little scared even talking about it. But anyway, uh, this girl comes up with two big, great Danes. I swear, one girl, two big, great Danes, gray ones, or just big, huge dogs. And she said, uh, she knocked on the door, I said, yeah, can I help you? And she said, uh, I just want to know, um, have you felt like anything's going on in this house or anything? I went, well, yeah, you know, uh, I hear walking once in a while, and that's all I would say, because I, I would kind of uh, brush it away, the thought, you know, if, but not when the right. kids were starting to complain. The kids were complaining of the racket, you know. <laughs> anyway, she said, well, my my brother overdosed in that room right there. I went, oh, my God, that's horrible, but it's like I dreamt about that guy. And right. he was sad, and the reason why he's there is he's lonely for his family. You know, I hope he's since passed on. I hope. You know, but he, I guess, isn't aware that people move on. That's very confusing. It must be for a spirit that doesn't go. I was like, why on. is my, and the sorrow he felt, you know, that his family wasn't there again. And then he tried again the next right. day. So I've been stuck in we're purgatory.
0: On. Yeah, just waiting. So, and, so what are your and...
1: so far? When you uh, well, okay, when you were um, <laughs> since you, I feel that you're a sensitive <laughs> and possibly psychic yourself. I wonder uh, during your time in law enforcement, did you ever uh, uh, dig up clues nobody thought of, or saw a pattern, and or uh, something downright uh, sinister or paranormal happen on the job? Well, to job.
0: um, I could, um, I am somewhat empathic. That yes. helps me as a
1: detective.
0: Uh, most definitely I could, um, almost always, I, I would just, almost all the time I'd know whether somebody, whether I had the right suspect or not, and whether they were going to, you know, fess up or not, um. And I used to be able to, when we had, you know, if you go somewhere, because someone reports an open door, open window, or or something like that, um, being out in the rural area, sometimes you get stuck uh, handling things by yourself. You're back up maybe five to 15 minutes away. So, you know, you just, you learn, learn, and I guess that's part of why I'm, you know, more of an adventurous person, because, you learn that you know you have to be able to handle things on your own because you may not be able to wait for your backup too far away or you might not even have a backup but um I'd have the open doors, and uh if I got there if I was there by myself for a little bit i could and I can still do this today because this is a process server you know i'm I'm constantly going out and then when I worked for the state, I was trying to find uh, people who were hiding. Um, But I can go up to house and pretty much, most of the time, I can just tell whether there's, you know, we're talking living people now, whether somebody's in the house or not. And I'm almost always right. You know, I have some pretty crazy stories about people that thought they were hiding really well. But, you know, I just just knew they were in there, and they were. Um, The craziest one was probably somebody who had, they were just simple traffic warrants. They, you know, got tickets for speeding or something, and they went to warrant. So I'm in this house, and the and the girlfriend had actually called and say he's just she was mad at him. Called and said, "Well, he's here, but you know, I'm going to act like you know, you know, I don't want him to know I called." And uh, yeah, so I knew he was there, but and she, and she wasn't like saying where he was. And we there was about three or four of us, and we searched the house, the property, and I just was like, I know he's in that house and I'm back in the house again, and I have been through everything. So they had their the room with the washer and dryer in it. It was one of these houses where they had so much dirty laundry that it was as high as the, the top of the washing machine. It probably went five feet across the room. <laughs> I mean,
1: no, it was pretty
0: bad, no. but just, yeah. And and so I go in there, and I go, he. this is where he is. He has to be in here. And So I took my ass, opened my ass, and I start poking around in the in in the uh, clothes,
1: laundry. Yeah,
0: yeah. I just yeah. poking all because I'm not going to reach down and try to dig in with my hands. So I'm poking in there with my ass, and all of a sudden you get like a thud, and I do it again. I go thud. It's like <laughs> okay, that's him. <laughs> that's him. I found him. <laughs> That's him. I found him, and then you know, so I'm standing there, and you know, he can only hold his breath so long. Creasing the clothes, start you know moving up and down because he's got to breathe. <laughs> and it's like you know, get out
1: of there. <laughs>
0: and, and, he, and, and if you've ever seen ET, when ET's hiding in there with all the stuffed toys and everything, yeah,
1: that and, and runs the little, everything on him.
0: <laughs> yeah, that little face. That's the way that guy looked. You know, he he moves some clothes, and there's this, this little. Part of his face poking out, it's like, jeez. <laughs> 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 so, you know, even that was fun sometimes. But it, I don't know, it this sounds that so interesting.
1: Way. I'd love to track well, people I, and track stuff.
0: Yeah, well, I tell you, the um, I have one unsolved murder of a 12-year-old mm. that I knew... I knew that he wasn't missing almost as soon as they called and reported him missing, did an amber alert on him. Yeah. And I just I just I just knew he was gone. And but trying to figure out the deal and then I you know, we did the amber alert on on him and I didn't really put everything together and then like you know, I I came home, you know, you come home for two or three hours sleep and you gotta get back out there. And, uh, you know, change clothes and get back out there. And in that time, I was like, woke wide awake with the most, what it seemed like a time far out idea of what happened to him. And yeah. everything actually fell into place that this is what happened to him. Now I know who my suspect is. And my suspect, you know, because it's one I was never able to solve, but my suspect. Is in in prison right now for murdering his wife. Uh, oh. They are both twenty one, and he was actually a, a head of uh, was a cartel guy. He was in this little mm. rural area. He was running a, a, a like a Colombian cartel. His dad was a Colombian uh, drug lord uh, down down in Colombia. He was head of one of the cartels, and and they were. I mean, and this had it was like a you know we're gonna. Send your family a message, and I don't know whether it was this boy's older brother. I don't know if it was his folks, but that's you know there's a whole lot of stuff that happened but um it all it just all fell into place, and that was like the one thing I would have liked to have saw before I retired yeah and yeah. and that's one if i we could ever get the person who's chief now to do a cold case on it. I, I think it could be solved. Um, the the uh, person who was murdered, uh, she was 21. I'd known her since she was 16, and mm-hmm. um, she was going to come see me and tell me what she knew. She, her, her their daughter was gone, and she was gone. She had left him. There's just, you know, he was too violent and everything. And uh, um, she made a mistake and went back to the house to give her, get some stuff for her, her child to give one of her friends for their baby, their child. And when she went back to the house, that's when he killed her. And um, he beat her up and shot her and threw her in the river, you know, wrapped up in weights and shower curtains. And um, she was missing for about two weeks before some mom found her. And they finally got him, and he so he's in prison for that, but he hasn't been charged with this other murder. And I hope
1: that <laughs> he
0: can get charged with it, you know, before he gets out of prison for her murder he actually had a a 16-year-old runaway with him when he did it.
1: Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just so bizarre that you're even saying this. That's uh, one thing that's on my mind all the time because I still get uh, the appeals uh, through my email of the people that killed my niece. And uh, very similar, you know what I mean, very similar. They, They went on to a couple that were killers, and they're on to kill a lot of people a lot of girls and uh yeah. it's just so strange that uh it's it's uh for me it's not over you know what i mean but for a lot of people they have closed it but it'll never be closed for me you know and as a matter of fact i got a call out of the blue from this man i said how did you get my number he said well i'm an investigator and i he said well i went by your sister's house and she was in the front yard and she gave me your number i went wow so he was really doing his job, and he called me and he says, I want to tell you something. And I guess he probably read something I wrote or something like that. He said, We never close a case until we find the body. It's always going to be, we're always going to be looking for her. I said, Thank you, God. You know, thank you for saying that. You know, right. so right. there's a purpose still, you know, and I still get the emails of trying to say time served. Right. They're both on death row. One's at San Quentin, and the other one's at Tatchola, but horrible people.
0: Yeah. Horrible
1: because they have no mercy.
0: Right. And then this guy, he's really not going to, he didn't get enough time, I think, for his murder Mm -hmm. because he murdered her in in the act of committing, uh, you know, family violence and, uh, you know, domestic violence. Yeah. And, you know, that's the one thing, though, out here, too, is when you see all these different things, and, you know, they, you know, you can go for weeks or months without thinking of, any of these people that you've had to deal with, whether it was through a murder, or through suicide, or accident, mm-hmm. and uh, then all of a sudden something triggers a thought of one of them, and then you see, and then it's like you see them all almost. You know, they're just they're always there with you. You can't unsee things sometimes, and
1: uh yeah, so, you get, I, I feel day. like I get hurt somehow. It's like having a permanent bruise somewhere you know
0: yeah yeah and you know and I specialized in crimes against children for a long 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 time so the forensic interviews with the kids are like second nature so if we do anything with kids in in investigations um right. you know I usually right. talk to the kids because you know <laughs> it just I have over 20 years of listening to the forensic interviewers you know sitting in the little right. room and, and 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 you just second nature to you know go in and and learn and so when i go speak at conferences and things that's one of the things i try to teach with the you know of course the book is how to you know interview and, and and try to pick up on any possible deception but i also try to teach them how to you know how to talk to children and how to do how to establish you know like um truth and lie and how to um uh ask open ended questions uh with the kids and just a little bit more information that you know to help them if they're gonna you know interview.
1: But the so you thing about Go ahead.
0: Um no go ahead.
1: Oh I was just gonna comment that your work actually with law enforcement has now uh transferred to what your title your book is Paranormal Profiler. And it well, works with the paranormal also, because people are kind of sketchy, and that's why I really wanted to talk to you about this because when they're giving their uh experience or their story sometimes i I have a feeling that it's not doesn't have the ring of truth, like a lot of things do have the ring of truth, and I believe what they're saying, well, but sometimes I have this odd feeling it kind of creeps over me like I'm being tried to somebody's trying to sell me a lemon like a car. That right. Car. Right. And then uh-huh. I go, ah, yeah, I was with you until you just said that. But uh-huh. um, Well, you know how many you, you have successfully transferred these skills onto the paranormal profiling.
0: Well, everything that I would do for an you know, to interview or interrogate, you know, in law enforcement, I do it the same way pretty much. Uh with you know with the paranormal when you're in interviewing. I don't want to say that I assume everybody's telling a lie because that's not true. I try to right. teach them that it's important that they go into an interview with an open unbi- or with, an, with no bias. They go in completely unbiased, not an opinion necessarily formed one way or the other. Um, right. Because, you know, I've talked to some, you know, some of the younger teams, younger, like in their 20s or something, just starting out and uh, where somebody calls on the phone and, and they say, you know, this, 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 and this is happening. And when they go into interview or they may go straight into an investigation without even a really good interview, they're going in to prove what the caller said is true. And I don't necessarily yeah. go in to dis disprove. I go in there, we go in there unbiased. And and just to see what what happens, and that's where that, you know, in-depth, almost like a forensic interview is so important, Uh, you know, and you ask the questions, and, you know, I put so many people in jail that, Half the time when I get to some of the questions, I feel like I'm doing, a, you know, a booking
1: at the jail. <laughs> I think some of these people should be arrested. That's just the way I feel about it. No, not really. But anyway, <laughs> I mean,
0: you know, well, you know, and I, I, and I talk about things like, um, uh, you know, people with, um, say they're, you know, bipolar, say they're schizophrenic. And just because you're schizophrenic doesn't mean that the voices in your head aren't real, and um, that's where you just really, you know, have to pay attention to so many things. Um, I talked about the time when I went in with a uh, caseworker uh, when I was a special investigator with the state, special investigator, child death investigator for the state. Did you lose me again? Hello? Hello?
1: What happened again, darn it.
0: I can hear you. Hello. Hello. Hello? Call me. Can you hear oh, me?
1: Darn. Okay, we dropped ah. again and I if you can hear me audience I'm gonna to have to call I'll her right back. back. So it says that we're live right now that nobody's hung up. Oh she dropped. Okay, so uh let's get her back in here. Call her one more time. I heard you. Every time you,
0: you say it drops, I want to make Hello? sure i not on mute. Hello?
1: Martha, are you there? Yeah, can you hear me? Martha? Hello? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, so let me try again. Uh, that's crazy. Ah. Uh. Okay, thank you, listeners. I'm going to call her now, and let's see. Let's do this. Um, that was really strange. Hello? Hi,
0: this Hello? is Martha Decker. I'm not available. Please give
1: me information. <laughs> okay, it's me. I'm going to call you back again. If you are satisfied so with your message, Press 1 to listen to your message. Press 2 to erase and re record. Press 3 to continue recording where you left off. Press 4. Okay, let me hear this. Are you still there? If you are satisfied with your message, press 1 to listen to your message. Press 2 to erase and re record. Press 3 to continue recording where you left off. Press 4. Can't do anything, I'm caught in the system. Okay, so are you let, me, if you are let me try your this message. again. Press one. To listen to There's your actually message. a strange Press technical thing and that's going on. Okay, so let me try to do this again. So hang in there, Martha. I'm trying. Okay, are you there now? Hi. Yeah, that is so strange yeah. because it still had us as uh being on, so I didn't hang up right away. But what happened is then it showed you being dropped. So I don't know what's going on really. Are you on a landline oh, or a cell?
0: I'm on a cell, but it usually doesn't do that. And I tried to call you back, and I even tried was going to call you back on the landline. But it's all, when I called on the landline, there's it said all oh, circuits were busy. Yeah,
1: yeah the there's something wrong. Busy. It's, it's the, the first time I could see that it's a technical issue. It's not our. We didn't do it. Okay, people, we didn't right. do it. We're not guilty. So anyway, it is. Uh, that's what's happening. There's so many on the line. I guess uh, it's kind of weird when you, you know, I try to call out and it says all circuits are busy from somewhere. It really is kind of disturbing yeah. since we have so much, uh, so-called web and internet stuff. We should always. Uh, there shouldn't be a clogged line. Now, come on.
0: Especially you know on uh, just a normal Friday evening, it's not
1: exactly. Yeah. So I saw it. Neither one of us did the error, and it's uh, it's actually with the sound systems or the way it's being transmitted over Blog Talk. I'm not sure the blame, so I'm not taking the blame. That's all right. Right. <laughs> so anyway, it's not you or I. <laughs> it's not me and you. So it's something. And anyway, sometimes when we're talking about these subjects, sometimes things go haywire with electronics. It does that too. Anyway, so. Right. Um, it does. And I had a, a some more questions. So your forensics background has uh, made you uh, just the right person, actually, to do the work that you're doing. And uh, what are, like, what is your, do you have a, a list or a thing, uh, a, like a thing that you interview people with, a paper or a guide? Did you go over certain questions? To actually well, I do. Country? Well,
0: I do, and I don't always go go buy it, but I have one that we take, and it's fairly lengthy, and I actually have it in the back of the book, Um, all the questions um, in the book, and we usually go, you know, there's usually two two of us, (coughs) excuse me, two of us, we never (laughs) go alone. You know, for safety purposes, you don't want to go into somebody else's house by yourself.
1: No, I would always go with two. I, I would...
0: Well, I do that for always.
1: many reasons. Yeah. You know, and, um,
0: and so we have one who's taking notes while the other one is asking the questions so that whoever's asking the questions and then a lot of times that ends up being me. Um, you know, you're you're watching the person, watching their demeanor and, and little 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 ticks, little indicators of different things. And um something that I always do is um I let them, you know, I just tell them, uh, you know, to tell me what happens. I just, you know, tell me what happened. And I let them tell their story, and I may add, uh, you know, and then what happened. And then what happened. And the other person is keeping notes. Of course, we're, you know, recording it as well, audio and video. And then when they're all done with their story, I don't interrupt them during their story. Um, Then we go back through our notes, and and ask more detailed questions like say somebody says you know it's a it's a mean ghost it might be a demon or something or whatever you know it's just it's mean uh or you know it cusses at me things that are very broad statements like that I go back and I and I ask them what do you mean by mean what does it do or when you say cuss what you know what does it say and and um so I tell them a good example of that was law enforcement many, many years ago. I went to did a criminal trespass or criminal mischief call and um it's a somebody who was probably in their eighties and, and I'm asking for a description, you know, you know, did you see anybody and so on? And they go, Yeah, it was a couple of a couple of youngsters that did it. And so in my mind, and I'm probably in my 40s, and I'm thinking, you know, late teens, maybe, maybe even early 20s, but somewhere around there. And so that's my interpretation of young. And, but I asked her, you know, what do you mean by young? And she said, oh, you know, they're probably in their 50s or so. (laughs) you know, so it's always important to get definitions from them. And ask so many questions and ask questions that you might think you don't have any business asking because you need to know all that. You know, was somebody ever arrested? What were they arrested for? Are they on medication? Do they do drugs? Um, Do they have any medical problems, any mental problems? Um, And if they say they're schizophrenic or something, you ask something like, well, do you hear voices? And they may say yes or no, and usually they're going to say yes and and then then you can ask well are you do you hear voices now?" I had one i think this is when we dropped that I went with somebody to someone's house who was a schizophrenic and as as we go into the house the 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 uh person was focused on the person they were going to interview and and I walk through and and there's a kitchen right when you walk in, and in the kitchen, I see this big like canning pot full of boiling water and it's just boiling away and there is absolutely nothing on the counters anywhere just this pot boiling of wa- boiling water
1: mm-hmm. so
0: you get in there and you, and they're asking those type questions and and they said they were schizophrenic and then they were going on to something else and I go back well you know like hang on you know do you hear voices yeah. yes uh do you hear them now yes and then it's like, well, what are they, What well, you know, what did they tell you to do? What are they saying? And she said they told me to boil to boil a pot of water and pour it on myself. <gasps> yes.
1: That's horrible. I was just going to say, yes. it's always negative. When, you, when I ask about the voices, it's always something bad. Yes. You know? It's horrible.
0: So it's it's the whole thing of learning to be aware of your surroundings when you go into somebody's house you know, it, to interview them, it's not just all the questions, but then the other thing by getting the, uh, you know, getting the detail, and in, in not the broad statements, but get the detail, because then you actually, if you're going to decide to investigate, you may want to do some more research, including corroborating some of their statements whether it's with witnesses, family, neighbors, just like you had the neighbor or had that person come and ask if you ever had anything go on. You know, it's something very basic and general like that that you may want to, you know, you go to the next-door neighbor and go, you ever seen anything kind of weird over there? You know, you don't go into all the detail, but just something very broad and general like that uh, to them to help corroborate what what these people are saying, you know. And the the biggest thing I tell them is... You know, that's important. And one of the the biggest things I tell them, too, is, you know, forget this, do they look to the left or do they look to the right for figuring out if they're telling the truth or not because that's worthless as as a single indicator, especially if you don't know if they're left or right-handed because they're going to look up in opposite directions depending on whether they're left or right-handed. So just forget about that one.
1: (laughs) That makes sense because... uh, There's other kind of uh, ways to tell about people. Because sometimes I talk to people and they were so uh, apparently used to covering their face that they're just trying not to show anything in their face or in their eyes or anything. And they're pretty good at it, you know. And until you shake their hand, their hands wet sweat. It's like shocks me every time. Like, what the heck, you're acting normal and everything. And you're sweating to death. You know, so, right. uh, yeah, so uh, that kind of looks can be deceiving, but I think there uh, there is a hunch, though. You know, you, you, right. do, you can't yeah. read a lot. <clears throat>
0: or if you ask them a question and they're saying yes, but their head's shaking no or vice exactly. versa, you know, go with the head shake, not with what comes out of their mouth.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Because the head's going to probably be giving you the correct answer.
1: Well, and, you know, you and there go...
0: are
1: people. What? Go ahead.
0: go ahead. Yeah, if I could go. You
1: were going uh, to, if they're trained, if they're, uh, you know, if they've trained themselves to hide or not disclose, or they can beat the lie detector. Right. That's what I was going to ask you. Would you ever uh, do a lie detector on somebody? Do you believe them? or uh do you believe in lie detectors or uh would you able to forensically go through let's say uh some people that have experienced unusual paranormal and also UFO abduction things like that would you ever be willing to uh detect these people to see if they're telling the truth or not
0: well it's such a subjective thing um okay. because I mean, there are people who can pass them you know not just um sociopaths there are other people that can 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 pass them and you know you and you know you can ask somebody a question and they could be answering truthful but because mm-hmm. the question upsets them so much
1: yes it,
0: you know it reads that they're tell that they're telling that they're lying to you but they're actually telling you the truth so there's a reason why they're not you know permissible you know as evidence in court because they're just too you know up and down and in law enforcement you you we would use them and we wouldn't go by them but i think our biggest thing with those is uh if you have somebody that you're just not really sure you know are they or aren't they uh, the suspect and you ask them if they will take a lie detector i think what you're looking for there more than anything is somebody who says oh heck yeah give it to me right now you know i'm gonna show you i'm you mm-hmm. know versus somebody says heck no i'm not going to do that you know because then your red flags will pop up you know to look for some other things because you know why doesn't this if this person is in innocent you know why do they not want to take one? Personally, I would never take one. I mean, I have done it to go, you know, to apply for law enforcement because that's just something that you have to do. But, but um, you know, and I had one question on there that one question that they said that I I was, you know, didn't tell them the truth on it. And when they told me what question after we talked later because it was just that one, it's like, well, that's because that question just really, I just get irritated when I even think of that. <laughs> You know, I don't even yes. remember what it was, but it was just something that that set something off in me whenever, whenever you know it was when asked. It's one of those things that if you ever think of, you know, maybe something that just happened in your life at one time. I don't remember because that was probably back in the eighties, so it was a long time ago. <laughs> so
1: it's just, I guess the the more you do it, the more you're going to learn. So anybody is interested in doing this. Kind of thing, but what is your suggestion for them? To
0: first of all, I read your book. That, yeah, read my book. And, you know, I've actually had some uh, paranormal teams. I I think this is really cool. Who say they? You know, that where they have have bought the book, and they have their new. When they bring a new person into the team, they have them read the book, and I just thought that's just really
1: you know that's a neat crazy.
0: thing because it's it's intentionally done very basic, and mm-hmm. of course it's you know it's. Has smattering of different experiences I, that I've had with people and usually with, you know, deception type things because people sometimes just want to be on TV or, or, you know, so they want to be able to say, you know, it's haunted because you said so, or sometimes they just want out of the release, but, but, um, <laughs> you know, not just read that, read a lot of other books. There's a lot of good books out there from people, um, to read, uh, to learn information, if they can go to conferences, go to some conferences that have good speakers, listen to those speakers, you know, uh, and, and just read as much as you can. Learn. That's where, you know, I mean, teenager, I've read every Edgar Cayce thing that there was, I think, ever printed back then on him. And uh,
1: Yeah, um, I was really into it, I too. To,
0: yeah, and I used to try to bend spoons like Uri Geller, like you wouldn't believe <laughs>
1: I've never been able to do it. I do have a... I didn't either, but good. I... W-
0: <laughs> do it. Me neither, but I sh- sure did try. So, but, you know... You, I know people that you know, do I'm, it
1: easily. I just can't.
0: Yeah, well, but, you know, I I haven't stopped learning things. I learn new things every day. So there's really no expert in... in and I don't think you can ever stop learning or finding something you know, out about a field that you're interested
1: in. Well, who who are who are the people that you look up to, and who you think are good researchers in this field?
0: Um, I have learned a lot from Dr. Rita Louise. Yes, she. Um, Yeah, if you know Rita Louise, I mean, I've learned a lot. Of course, I yeah, she's she's a good friend of mine. You know, I've been on her show a couple times, but some of the people that she has on, and she's moved more into DVDs. So, some people that don't like to read, and you may not, and those who don't like to read really, you know, should learn. But she has a lot of things, and there's a book that um, David Roundtree wrote several years ago called Paranormal Technologies. And that book has a lot of good information in it. Uh, Troy Taylor comes to writing and um, he puts on a really good conference up in uh, Illinois every year in the summer, but he has written some really interesting books. Uh, You can go to his website and the uh, ghost of the Prairie, I believe is his website. I haven't been to it in a little while. And, uh, his books are good. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, there's so many out there.
1: Yeah, um, there's a lot. And... Rob,
0: yeah, well, Robbie Thomas mm-hmm. has, has written, a friend of mine, he's written a couple of books that are real interesting, you know, things that have happened with him that, you know, that's it. Read about some people's experiences. I have a book by Fiona Broom that she wrote, um, that is that if you if someone wants to go into cemeteries and I like going to cemeteries, her book is about all the different things you can see on the on the tombstones and the meanings mm-hmm. of them. So you can really learn a lot through there. Um, uh, Rosemary, Ellen Guiley, her books are fascinating, especially her books on the gin. Yeah. Um,
1: interesting.
0: You, yeah. You, know, you read some of Rosemary's books, and, you know, is it a ghost or is it a djinn? I mean, it puts you into a whole nother mindset. The same thing with Rita, Rita Louise's book, um, Man Made, because that one goes into, you know, ancient religion up to today and all the different, you know, religious beliefs and, and how many things are similar uh, in all the religions, only maybe with different terms. Um, those are good. Um, in fact, Anne Ramsland. I've read some of her books. She does, um, she's a, uh, her stuff is in, in. in uh I'm trying to think of what she does, her PhD. She's, in, she's a criminalist or something. She does something with, and I can't remember, it's been a while since I've talked to her, but I have purchased a couple of her books um, on things because they're very interesting. And a lot of the law enforcement stuff you can take and turn it into uh, applying it towards the uh, paranormal field with no trouble at all. You just, you know, you take the same thing. Um, she does a, uh, I went to one of her, uh, she spoke at one of Troy Taylor's conferences, and she took the crime scene like you do in law enforcement and showed, you know, put it together with from the paranormal how you do everything to even, you know, do this, this sketch like you would do if it was a crime scene. And there's a lot of things like that that you can do. And um, pick up a couple of good law enforcement books and read Uh Really, some of those, yeah, Go to yeah because Press
1: profiling, profiling, and things like that, you can kind of figure things out. They they do have uh, techniques. Let's say uh, an investigation if a person is like this or this certain age would be a serial killer, and you know, basically, I guess right. white guys that are middle age. So uh, it's yeah. kind of horrible, yeah. but it gives you a clue to uh what you're looking for or or even if it is a ghost you can or people uh reporting things you know i think that uh in some ways i think we should uh, like i believe in prayer you know i have prayed um yeah. to my people that i love in heaven you know and uh let them know i'm yeah. thinking about them and uh on the other hand I am really scared of haunted houses. I've lived in many of them, but I have never gone looking. Only one time I went looking, and I ran screaming out of there. I was actually up in the Hollywood, and I went to Houdini's castle, believe it or not. <laughs> I think this was the 70s before they tore it down. And I went up to the front door. I asked you could look into Houdini's house. It looked like a castle, but it was very uh-huh. broke down. The tree had come to the roof, but it had a massive granite uh, fireplace. I mean, map, so I've never seen anything like it, really. You could kind of walk in the fireplace, it was so big. And I heard something cracking around screaming out of there,
0: because it was all (laughs)
1: overgrown. It had kind of a moat around it, but that (laughs) that was my one shot at it, and that was there. It was miserably a failure. So, And when I screamed and ran, there happened to be a lot of college guys that had this come through the the fence, because there's an opening, we had to sneak in. They ran screaming, Uh too, and that was one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Because all these big guys—they were bulky, big guys—running fast <laughs> like little girls, screaming their heads off. And I that's actually good. waited up to the door and looked in the window because I had to travel the little boat had like a little motor on the window. Mm-hmm. So I walked around looking, and that's when I saw the uh, thing. And because I had a feeling he was really there, Houdini.
0: Well, you no, know, was, I mean, there's uh, some. There are some places that you just you just have that negative feeling in some places you can go in and you just feel like you're just absolutely welcome there. And yeah. you know, they don't and the houses don't bother me, but I go in, you know, I uh you know, with protection and there and everything but uh protection and respect. But even so I've, you know, run into places where it's you know, whatever it is, it doesn't want you there and you can very much feel that if you're just if you're paying attention. You can really feel that, you know. I don't go in for all this "let's go ghost hunting; it's fun" kind of thing because, you know, to me that's well. You said it,
1: yeah. You yeah. said it. Maintain respect because we're dealing with something that we actually don't have a handle on. You know, exactly. they're like we free really free don't. rangers. We really how can we control anything like that? I mean, it's it's you know.
0: Well, and if you it's, get right down to it, we really don't even know what it is.
1: We I mean, don't. We it could we, be residual. It could be uh, we're seeing these dimensions that people are talking about now. The The, exactly. the, the scientists have found, what, 12 dimensions, more than that. It's like Yeah, it's I mean, it could be, thing.
0: you know, we just, I mean, we've had this word that we use, you know, ghost that's been around in our society for a very, very, very long time, but, you know, Actually, you know, we don't know what really what is a ghost and is it really someone that used to, you know, live there? Is it someone who that used to be a family? You know, what is it? We don't know for sure. We just know what we think it is. Right. you know, if That's why people think it. they
1: can control them. I don't I don't know how they could possibly say that Well, you don't actually know what you're talking to. It could be right. anything.
0: Exactly. You know, it's like I, I when we were talking about when I was um, uh, young, when I first, when I was 19, moved to Dallas, I had something, and mm-hmm. actually it's been in my life off and on, uh, you know, growing up, uh, that my best description of it, when I would talk about it, was like a druid uh, but hmm. it was a dark shadow with no face. The face was darker that came in, but I always felt like it was there to protect me. It came into my room two nights in a row, looked at me, and it sat down on a bed and faced out like it was protecting me from something, keeping something from coming in the room. And uh, and that could be you know,
1: possible. There could be spirits that are, are fighting on our behalf, you know, and then people yeah. think they see something, they start yelling at it. and all. That's why it's a very tricky. I think the, the native ways are the best ways I've heard of people respectfully going in with some right. ceremony. And, you know, they can tell what it is. A lot of people have a sense of this, and I, I know mm-hmm. that uh there's more more respect the the solemn thing, not screaming and you know hitting them or do whatever that people are thinking. I think it's stupid, but I yeah. don't know. So, so uh, what would be like your ideal or what is your dream uh, investigation spot? What would you like if you had the whole planet to think of where to go? Where would you like oh, to investigate? Goodness. Now I'm giving you the whole planet here.
0: I know the whole planet. Yeah. Uh, Inwalker Ranch.
1: Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know what to make of that place. I swear to you.
0: Well, but that may not be... That's probably not paranormal there at all. Uh, it's probably something else. Uh,
1: I have, have that Dimensional because, or
0: something, you know?
1: Yeah, I think there's a vortex. Otherworldly... I can't yeah. believe you said that because <laughs> I once tried to talk to that guy... Um, I'm not going to say who it is, but somebody has something to do with uh, Skinwalker Ranch, right? Right. And I asked right. him, well, do you like to be on the show? I'd like to book, a, you know, ahead of time because I'm full to, you know, for the next three weeks, but I'd like you on the fourth week. And he said uh, he couldn't do that because uh, he didn't book in advance. I like, what the hell? <laughs> what are you talking about? And then I, right. you know, I didn't understand. What am I supposed to do? You know what I mean? Yeah, and, I know, and catch, when we... on the fly at the last minute? I don't know. I couldn't make sense well, of what he was when, saying to me.
0: And, you know, and when I think paranormal, paranormal is something that we're, that isn't necessarily normal to us. So it can be so many different things.
1: Yeah, it can. So well, things. I think there's a yeah. vortex over there, and I think that it's odd, like, you know, like when you go into some places, the water runs a different way, you know, and, uh, you know, you right. can walk up the side of a hill, you stick to the wall. It's just very odd stuff happening. And I do believe, right. I guess some people call them ley lines and stuff like that, but I do feel yeah, like they're yeah. natural phenomena. And I feel that yeah. way about the the skinwalker thing. I think this is uh, some kind of effect that's true. However, yeah. there's more yeah, of a yeah. natural effect.
0: Yeah, and, and there are ley lines. And a uh, friend and I were, were talking about going to Sedona uh, oh, nice. this summer, maybe, possibly. Yeah to go go to some places to do some some things, you know, do some visit some different locations and and things, so who knows. One place that I actually there's a couple places that I would like to go do uh, um, maybe an investigation your typical paranormal. One is down at Big Bend National Park. I absolutely love that place. It it has um, so many places that are, that um, I mean, you have to get to them by four-wheel drive, hike aways, but there's buildings, there's structures, there's all kinds of things out there. Nobody's ever gone out there and done anything like that there. And I've been out there many, many times. You know, I used to four-wheel uh, drive. I had, had a you know four-wheeler specifically to go out into uh, Big Bend National Park and then and up to Colorado back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. I would go up to one or the other for my photography and, and shoot and you know, go, go way in and go sit somewhere that I maybe hiked, you know, ways to get and went four-wheeling and so on and just sit and wait for the right, right light. But there's some mines up there. There's just all sorts of things over at, at Big Bend National Park that,
1: yeah. That would be so and easy to uh, go in and
0: investigate.
1: There is like, uh, minerals like quartz and stuff like that, that actually I thought about it and, uh, there's like, I think uh, Wisconsin, they have like a whole mountain made out of red quartz. It's so odd that, because quartz is actually used in radio and stuff like that. So it could channel uh, certain uh, levels of things. And people are having all kinds of odd phenomena around these places, you know. So I don't know, but it's. Uh, have you thought of uh, like going to uh, something really crazy like Dracula, where he lived? No, yeah,
0: I, well, you know, I would like to go to, yeah, I thought about that, but I've also thought about, I would love to go to one of the castles from one of my grandfathers, you know, oh, and yeah. I'd love oh, to go yeah. to one of their castles and, and see, you know, if I can, you know, connect with any of my, you know, former, you know, my ancestors.
1: That would be fascinating. And, uh, you know, that
0: you would be <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's like oh man, you know it's like when you go if you're you were in law enforcement and you go into a jail, it's like they mm-hmm. sense, it's like you feel like they sense that you know you were you know you're law enforcement and, and sometimes that gives you some pretty good activity because you know that's not always a good thing, and uh, I would love to go into some of those castles.
1: And yeah, that say, would be, hey, be Grandpa,
0: You know, how's <laughs> it shaking, Grandpa? How did it feel finding the Magna Carta, or when you lost your head, or, or
1: you know? I wonder you know I've heard two- a couple of different things that people um say the ghosts kind of disappear or wear out or whatever, but on the other hand, like the battlefield of Gettysburg, they still are still uh doing marches, and people see whole regiments out there and their horses. still marching, you know, and they see it like it's live, so they don't, they feel like they're uh, you know uh, that the the people that don't know that they're ghosts really think they're watching a regiment, and some people have even seen uh, like the castles in England, they've actually seen Roman soldiers walking, you know, and instead walking to a different level, like lower, they they build over and over and over but uh, right. you know, I, I and mean, people that live in those castles are very aware of what's going on in there. There might yes, be uh, something still there.
0: That's very true. And and I've always, as far back as I can remember, I've always been very interested in history. And in my early twenties, I was over um, over on the East Coast, and and actually went to Fort Sumter, and um, you know, I wasn't as aware of things as I am now, but I was somewhat aware. But I can tell you out of all the old his- historic places I have been, I haven't been to Gattys- Gettysburg, but the-, the ones I've been to, I can remember I kept looking, you know, like behind me because I could have, I just, the it was almost overwhelming,
1: the wow. feeling
0: at Fort Sumter. I, it's like the soldiers were just going to start walking out of the walls. I mean, literally. And I've always, so I've always wanted to go back there. I was, you know, in my early 20s then. And I would, you know, there's no reason for me not to have gone back. I just haven't gone, haven't been out on the East Coast. And, uh, but that's a place I've always wanted to go back and see, you know, what kind of feeling I get now that I'm more aware of things.
1: Yeah, you're more mature and could uh, look at it a different way. I think that that makes a big difference then. Um, well, there's right. another spot that I would like to go uh, oh. for many reasons would be New Orleans, New Orleans. Ah.
0: Yes. Yeah, so well, I grew up just outside of well, what grew up. I lived there for a couple of years. When I was 12 and 13, we lived just outside New Orleans. And uh, then we went back to Memphis. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, it's, yeah, uh, it I, would be uh, interesting.
0: Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. I liked it then, and I was there probably, oh, five, six years ago, maybe, a more around, around in there. I think I, I was, a friend and I went to New Orleans, and I drove the perfect car there. That's when I had my little smart car, convertible, and we were able to get yeah, all over the place in New Orleans with that, so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Even on and, the sidewalk. And, and,
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. We stayed at a place Is that where you that actually did one to have...
1: like an egg. That car that looks like an egg. Well, about?
0: when I when I would open up the convertible part, I would say it looked like a fat roller skate. So... <laughs> okay, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's the one that when you drive through West Te- or you mm. I we drove through West Texas. Then I could probably do it mm. now because I drove drove it to Albuquerque too. And yeah. uh, it did great in the mountains, but um, every time I stop, when I stop for gas, and I'm going through part, you know, Amarillo and that, you know, going that way into uh, New Mexico, and uh, uh, you look up from getting gas, and there's all these faces plastered to the, you know, windows for the at the convenience store, trying to figure out what the heck is, that? <laughs> <laughs> what
1: are they driving? Uh, oh my god! <laughs>
0: Is it oh, electric? I, uh, <laughs> no, I don't think I could have driven here if it was. <laughs>
1: when when I was a teenager, my mother got a Hellman car. I don't know if you've ever seen these, but, you know, the, we were uh, big girls. It was four of us, so two of us are, are bigger, and then uh, two of them were thin, and my mother, but we had to all fit in that car, and it was small just like those little tiny cars, and when her – I remember one time we were going up 190th in uh near Redondo Beach, and the car couldn't make it up the hill, so we all had to get out. <laughs> no. We always had our own, <laughs> since there were so many of us, it was, we had a pushing committee. We all get out and push <laughs> up over 190th, and then uh, she would coast down and start it, you know what I mean? But then we have to jump back in that little clam car, and then once in a while it would die at let's say a light, and then she'd have to get out this thing. And she'd be winding it up in the front. I mean, it was totally embarrassing for a teenager. And I said, I "Mom is imagine. winding up the car." I know it's crazy. Oh,
0: <laughs> it's funny. the car. My mother, let's see. The first car I had that my folks bought me at sixteen was an was a uh, was an Austin America, and those were made. You know, that was made by Austin Healey. Oh, yeah. I have never. I haven't seen Cute. an Austin America on the road in I don't know how many years. But, you know, that was like the first little little car. <laughs> and uh, it lasted <laughs> a little while.
1: <laughs>
0: a little well, while. Well, I did my have a
1: 63 regs, and that that I could do myself. Now, some of these cars are cool, the little old cars, because you can work on them.
0: They are. You know,
1: because now I are... don't even know what the heck's under that hood. I don't know what's going on. I don't want to look at it. Either.
0: Right. Yeah, my it's husband's first car in there. In Texas, you can actually drive and get your license at 13, or you could back then. Wow! And his first car was a Studebaker when he was 13. (laughs) Wow! (laughs) You know, I used to think they were crazy because you could drive at 14 in Mississippi, and I just at 16, I'd shake my head.
1: (laughs) Actually, you know, little
0: kids drive.
1: (laughs) Well, I was driving a stick on the wheel at 10. I was driving a stick shift because my parents would say, you know, you're the most responsible in the family. If something happened to us, you have to learn how to drive to take us to the hospital. So I went out there. Had my first excursion. I was 10, and it was a stick on the car, col- you know, on the on the wheel, you know, the column, right, not on the floor. Right. So they had me in traffic. I actually learned how to drive within two hours, and I was already out in traffic <laughs> driving. I was thinking, my parents are crazy, but man, this is fun. So I've been right. driving since I was ten years old.
0: Goodness gracious. Well the first I car know, I, I would have loved was being a, in
1: my Legends
0: Thirteen. Go ahead. Let's see yeah, seven in seventy two I bought my first bought my first car and it was a sixty nine Thunderbird with the uh four barrel, um, dual that exhaust, the big motor. Awful. Had the suicide doors on it.
1: Dang. Uh, that was the last
0: year they made one with the suicide doors. Yeah, I loved that car.
1: Oh, um, that was that one car that would turn heads. That's for sure. I love them. I, I love the every, old cars.
0: I won every
1: race. You <laughs> <Not laughs> said right. I raced
0: it a lot, but.
1: What color was it? It was all
0: factory, but I would beat every guy that thought he was hot.
1: That's <laughs> right. <laughs> what uh, which, what go, color was it?
0: <laughs> it was blue and it had a black uh, top on it.
1: Oh, that was cool. I well, I driving think from... can. Go ahead. As I
0: was gonna say I can remember driving from Dallas or from Memphis to Dallas, where an eighteen-wheeler kept trying to run me over, and uh, Mary and I ran uh, the trip at a hundred miles an hour the whole way in that car. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's uh... for being a cop, you <laughs> <laughs>
1: Because how how fast was your, I know we're kind of diverting people, but be patient. We want to talk about this. Anyway, so how fast could you ride in that cop car? How fast could you get it go?
0: Well, we had Crown Vicks and not the best road. So, you know, we didn't go super fast that often. But when we did, you really couldn't go more than 120 because if you got over 120, it would start floating a little bit. So you'd have to slow down some.
1: Hundred and twenty you were airborne. Normal. Is that what you're trying to
0: say? Not not quite, not quite, <laughs> yeah. but you would start float it would start you'd feel it start floating a little bit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you sure are a very fascinating person and the more I get to know you the more I like you and what a interesting creative life. You know, really. Um I I bet you have conversations with your husband that you can sit and talk about this stuff. It never gets old for me. What is your husband's oh, opinion on this whole thing? Uh
0: well, he's very open to it and he's a uh he's interesting too. He's he's a uh West Point grad and um was in the army for a while and uh so he's he's just so supportive of every, everything and we because we've heard things in in our house um we've heard our our dogs not, you know, several of them not that long after they've passed, we'll hear them. We've got one that we actually will hear occasionally, and the other dogs will hear her too. And, you know, well, is it Misha? You know, they'll go looking and, and so on. So um, there's several things, I mean, he's experienced too. You know, he doesn't go on the investigations or anything, but he's he's experienced quite a few things. that When we bought this house, and we've been in it almost 30 years now, 27, 28 years, um, both of us would hear like a sound like a truck running for hours, just yeah. idling, and, and getting. I up have and heard it. that. And sometimes the dogs, yeah. Sometimes the dogs would bark at it. Uh, the dogs we had outside then, and uh, we'd get up, but we both would hear that. And we had another place we were at when we would hear music at night, and and then we're out here in the country, and also we were out there by the lake, and sound carries, but. That wasn't the case with either of those, and for several years we heard the truck and then it just eventually went away so he's uh but he's seen some strange things he's uh you know we're both divers i I got my diving certification after we got together, and when he was at West Point there were um they used to go up in in you know new york on on the weekends, and they would dive the old um Lakes or down here we call them stock ponds that would be by where you know there used to be a house, and so we have bottles with round bottoms um there was archaeological um dig going on, like in the Hudson River, and he worked on that
1: uh for a while. yeah
0: in in one summer he worked for a salvage operator down on the Gulf Coast, and um the VA fog, which is now an, an, uh, like an underwater, uh, it's a memorial thing, but the VA fog was a, a ship that, that had an explosion, and I think there were 65 people on it, and the whole crew died, and the salvage operator that he, uh, worked for had tried to salvage it, you know, after the explosion, and, uh, so we have pieces of it here. You know, now from back then, you know, now you can't go down there. It's a sanctuary, and you, you can't do anything like that with it. But back then, while they were trying to salvage it, you know, he so he saw things in there. So it's, you know, it's worked out well.
1: Yeah, it has. I think uh, I'm glad you guys <laughs> found each other, really, because it's, it's hard because I think this, this whole paranormal thing, it was part of what separated me and my husband, because I have uh, weird uh, remote viewing capabilities and odd stuff. And uh-huh. I think the the last time we were in the same room as friends, uh, he said, you're one of those airplane spotters I have in World War II. I just saw it on the Hitler Station. I, went, I call it the Hitler Station. It's the History Channel. But anyway... Um, <laughs> and that's actually the last time we were in a room as a couple is when mm-hmm. he said that to me. I was thinking, I've been telling you that for over 20 years. Like, how can you, you know, say now you believe it? Because, you know, it was frustrating for us. But anyway, you we've know, got yeah. a minute left, yeah. and uh, I want to thank you so much, Martha, about, you know, you, what your work you're doing out in the field uh for you being on the show tonight. Uh we appreciate you ver- and respect you very much.
0: Well I appreciate and I wanted- that and I'm really glad I was here.
1: I am too and really, really made me happy and uh, I it's you just an interesting and fascinating. So get uh get Martha Hazard Decker's book Paranormal Profiling and uh that um she can you can ask her can you be Reese anywhere? I was gonna ask you what do you have on coming events or are you working on another book?
0: I'm working on another book. I'm also working on producing a uh web series called G's Inc. uh or Granny Investigations and that will probably debut this summer. It's uh three of us pretty much and we're all over fifty and decided it was time to just do something so i just said, well, we're just going to do this and um we uh investigate everything from the paranormal the crypto the ufo uh, unsolved murders uh urban legends you name it we um you know we're we're that's what we're we're doing uh and we've got some pretty interesting stuff coming up uh Really including uh yeah, just really interesting stuff. And you can find us with um uh on Facebook with Granny Granny Investigations. Um, they can my phone number is on everything, you know, find me on Facebook. The book you can just type in the name or go to Barnes and Noble, go to Amazon and find the book. But I shouldn't be too easy to too hard to find.
1: Yeah, 'cause it's uh 'cause you have there's a lot of information including uh you know all things about your book and stuff like that. So give us your right. site one more time before we go.
0: Okay. Um, with that, just um, find me on Facebook. You can go to because I don't have my stuff up, but initial. Eventually, okay. you'll be able to go to Martha dot com. I will be in Glen Rose in about two or three weeks for a a conference. Uh, down there, that'll cover everything from paranormal to crypto. Uh, I will be up in Jefferson in April for the um, History, Haunts, and Legends conference. And then I'm going to be in Arkansas in October and uh, back back in Jefferson in, in, in November. And um, there's going to be some other conferences. But I don't have anything any dates in my head right now for the other ones. Uh, coming up. So just check, find me on Facebook I try, or Facebook. On Amazon, if you go to my author page, you just go find the book and you can he- hit a link to the author page. And on there, I try to put the different conferences in so that it'll, you know, so you can see what's yeah. going on.
1: Yeah, it you know. works because uh, that's why I find out a lot of information and uh, it's easy to contact her. So if you want, if you have any issues or want to discuss uh get her book. I would go to the Amazon.com Amazon dot com, and uh, you'll find her book and uh, you'll find her bio and all all the interesting facts. So, Miss uh, I just tell you uh, thank you so much for being on tonight, and I really appreciate you very much. And I will see you around. You will. You will. I will somewhere. Yeah, yeah. You will. <laughs> you never
0: know. That's right. <laughs> I know. So
1: thanks again, and I wish you a good night and take care.
0: You too. Thank
1: you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. So I, I just thank Martha again just for being a, a gracious uh, guest and putting up with all of our questions here. And I want to thank you all for tuning in tonight. Um, I had many people that were waiting and listening on the line, and uh, I just want to thank uh, the the people in the chat and everywhere else for a wonderful Friday night. So. Please follow the links to contact me, or you can leave me a message if you would like to be part of our show or for general help and assistance and uh i want to thank thank everybody again and The show is archived after this, so I will be editing it uh sometime tomorrow and uh it'll be ready to go, you can listen to it any time though uh but it'll be in pre edit tonight anyway. So remember that the paranormal sacred is a place where the unheard may be heard. And please recommend this to your friends. And uh, we want to provide a place where people can speak openly about anything they damn well please, as long as it's along the lines of the paranormal or the interesting or a ghost or angels or whatever your preference. Anyway, I wish you Godspeed. God bless you and love you very much. And good night.